clap our hands unto the Lord, shall we? Let's give God high praise in this house. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell them today is your day. Amen, amen, amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to Houston. Let's go to greater life. It was just a normal Sunday for you. But a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I do know that I'm in the will of the Lord being here this morning. And uh, the Lord does all things for a reason. And he was absolutely shocked when I turned that corner in his office. And uh, probably the anointing or something that just stunned him. I'm joking. I, I said, Lord, or he started talking. I said, I'm in revival with Brother Poe. Good to see Sister Poe back there and his daughter. She flies under the radar, but I want to give her honor. She spoke at our ladies' conference here just a few weeks ago and knocked it absolutely out of the park. And so um, I said, I'm in revival with Brother Poe. He said, you can make it back in time. So I kept trying every way I could to get out of it. And the Lord said, you're supposed to be here. So I, I said, I need to come. So I agreed. Brother Jeremy drove me over here. And um, the king's business requires haste. So we, God, God kept us coming. He'll keep us going. And if he gets a ticket, the Lord will help us. And... Amen. Amen. I, I, I got pulled over here just a while back. And the officer pulled up behind me and walked out and and he walked up to the window and this is a true story and it worked and he, I said officer I'm sorry I said my wife left me a while back for with a police officer and I saw your lights and I thought you were bringing her back and he started laughing and he said you get on out of here I said my goodness it worked I'm not telling you to do that I'm saying it worked for me God still blesses the ignorant. We're going to have a good time in the Holy Ghost today. I give honor to your pastor, his wife, their family. Uh, what he doesn't know is years ago in 2000, the beginning of 2012, as I was preaching weekends as a beginning evangelist, and a, I was eating at O'Charlie's in Lake Charles. A man called me, and the Holy Ghost moved on him, and he began to prophesy. And he said, no longer will you be preaching weekends, but as a doctor, the Lord will send you into churches and show you areas that need improvement. And you'll stay long times, and the blessings of God will be upon your revivals. The next service I went was January 29th at Greater Life Church. I was scheduled for one Sunday. And when I walked into his office after service, he said, Brother, I see you being here all of February, and my eyes got as big as saucers. And the prophetic word of the Lord started from that service in Greater Life Church. And we were here, I believe, six or seven weeks at first revival. They have a picture of my family. I give honor to my family. They couldn't make it. There's my wife. Sadie is now 17. Sophie's 15. Ava is 11. And Millie Kate is seven years old. And so they send their regards. They were not able to make it today, but I'm thankful for my family. Amen. 
Good to be with Brother and Sister Long, our dear friends. We love them very much. And um, they were able to come be with us here a while back. And it's good to have friends in your life. Amen. If I start naming names, I'll get in trouble. But I love every single one of you. Turn with me, Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. We'll also go to John chapter 11, verse 1. Daniel chapter 10. Bible says in the year, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. The thing was true, but the time appointed was long. John chapter 11, verse number 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Skip down to verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Verse 39, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. For he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then, take, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound head and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. My subject today is what the Lord spoke to me as I was praying for this service, and that is this thought, Satan's second strategy. Satan's second strategy. Would you lift your hands and let's ask the Lord to help us today. Father, without that divine unction of the Spirit, there's no way that I could preach this effectively. There's no way that it could be received like it needs to be received. But by the touch of the Holy Ghost, by that whisper and that wind of the Spirit, can all things be understood. Have your way in this place and we'll be sure to give you glory and praise. Can you clap your hands right now unto the Lord? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let everything that has breath. Hallelujah. I got a word for you when I was standing right there. 
I looked at you and I saw whispers coming in your ears and I saw your body begin to shake which indicated to me a restlessness. I saw pictures come before you of stacks of money and I saw pictures come before you of bigger buildings and I saw those whispers and the Lord I said Lord what is he hearing and this is what the Lord said and showed me he's hearing thoughts such as I'm not being as productive as I want to be. The Lord I said, the Lord showed me thoughts of there's other opportunities out there the thoughts such as I could go anywhere that I want to go but the Lord sent a preacher to tell you you're in the perfect will of God right where you're at and there's a wave of the spirit that's going to come upon yeah you can go anywhere you want to go but God said I put you where I put you and you're producing more than you think you're producing everybody magnify the Lord right now Brother Hughes, when I was standing in your office the other day, and I told you when I left, the Lord had been speaking to me. I'm going to tell you what he saw me, what he showed me. I was, I was standing there talking to Brother Hughes and to Brother Long, and, and, and all I saw was the map of Houston. And I saw a crack start coming straight through Houston. And then from it was, it was almost as if an earthquake had divided something. And I saw little offshoots of cracks coming. And I didn't say nothing because I didn't know what it meant. And I went home, and I began to pray, and I said, God, what in the world? world is going on in Houston. I, I saw I saw this big crack and I saw these cracks. And in those cracks, it had arrows pointing like on road, on, painted on roads. And then I saw this church and I saw a huge magnet sitting in front of this church. And the Lord told me to tell you, there's a rumbling fixing to come into the spirit world of Houston. And in that rumbling, it's going to begin to draw people to this place. And you write it down that I said it even this day. You're going to have to have multiple services or in this church because you didn't build big enough it's going to be a supernatural work Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, grab your neighbor's hand right now. I'm beginning to pray. So shall it be as I have spoken. It won't be the result of programs. It won't be the result of methods. But there's a rumbling coming in Houston. It's going to be a supernatural work. Oh, Hallelujah. 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 Helamando lia la mache calriando de da 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 la maha. Thank you, Jesus. Te calabashata de da la basaka ye.
Hallelujah. Come on, just wait on the Lord right now. you to yield yourself to the Holy Ghost right now. Yield yourself to the Holy Ghost right now.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord together, shall we? <laughs> Thank you for what we feel right now, Lord. Thank you for what we feel right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come see, sir, right there. What's your name? Dion, I'm going to tell you what I saw, buddy. I saw it three times when I walked over here and looked at you. The Lord told me to tell you two things. He knows where you're at, and this is the place. I saw you going down a road on a bicycle, indicated you're just driving through life. And all of a sudden, I saw something come out of nowhere that turned your life in the opposite direction. And the, I heard these words come out of your mouth. I heard you say, Lord, do you even know where I'm at? And the Lord told me to tell you he knows right where you're at. And this is the place that he wants to plant you in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated today. Amen. We're going to go somewhere in the Holy Ghost. I believe the Lord is going to lead us in the right place. Amen. I begin today by wanting to remind you that you are not here by accident. You're not here by accident. And secondly, Satan does not want you here. Amen. Starting with that first fact, you've got to understand and believe that God is not a God of happenstance. And he's not a God of coincidence. You did not stumble your way into the house of the Lord this morning. But rather you were here by divine ordination for such a time as this. Amen. I remember preaching a revival years ago, and, and, and it was in a little community called Turkey Creek, Louisiana. And I didn't see a turkey, and I didn't see a creek, but it was there. 
And on that Saturday night before I was going to preach, I was praying. And I'm telling you, I couldn't get direction from God for nothing. And uh, I, I have this thing that I do when I can't figure out what to do and what to preach. I just go to bed because maybe the Lord will give me a dream. See, I'd rather be using a dream than a vision because you get to sleep in a dream. <laughs> and I woke up that next morning and I was getting ready and the Lord spoke to me and said, told me what to preach and he said, I'm going to show someone who I am this morning. So I went to church and I noticed it was two sections just like this. It was a, it was kind of a longer church and in the back. Now, this was one of my first services. So I didn't know who was guest. I didn't know who was members, all that stuff. And, and there was a lady sitting in the back, blonde headed lady. And, and I preached as she come to the altar, she prayed. Well, there's just, all there is is a little gas station and a little restaurant there in the town across from the church. So we went over there and I was sitting there and this door opens up and this lady walks in, the same lady that was at church that morning. And in that message, I preached about who God was and the oneness of God and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and she walked in. I didn't know that she was the owner of the little restaurant. She was the mayor of the, of the little town. And she walked in and she comes straight to me. She said, I've got to tell you something today. I said, okay. She said, I normally go to such and such church. And she said, but this morning, while I was brushing my hair, something spoke to me and said, go to that Pentecostal church because I'm going to show you who I am this morning. And while God was talking to her, he was talking to me. I just got to believe today that you're here because God has a word just for your situation, just for where you are at. And just as much as God wants you here, there is an enemy of your soul that does not want you here. He does not want you to advance in the kingdom of God. Now, hear me. I'm not one that wakes up looking for a demon behind every tree. But I do know that Satan is real and that he opposes all who want to live for the Lord. And we cannot live with our heads in the sand just going through the motions as hell is going to put, as if hell's going to push its agenda aside and let us waltz right in into heaven. But this is what the Bible tells us. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. My friend, you better wake up and realize that the agenda of hell is to do whatever it takes to stop you from making it to heaven. From the oldest to the youngest, no one is exempt from the attack of the enemy. You need to know today where you stand. And I come to echo the words of Joshua when he said, who is on the Lord's side? As for me and my house, I'm in the right place. I'm in the house of the Lord. I'm not here by chance. I'm here by choice. Come on, I'm here by choice. We're going to rise up as a church. Don't you think for a minute 
that Satan doesn't have a plan. He has planned his work. And now he's working his plan. He's got a strategy. And the first strategy that he uses is to try to get people to question the power of God. That's the first strategy. He tries to convince people that God's blood isn't powerful enough to cleanse sin. He tries to convince people that his name is not powerful enough to heal people and to restore people. And if you look at the ministry of Jesus before he began his ministry, he had to go into that wilderness led of the Spirit. And the first two times the tempter came, he questioned the power of God. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands shall they bear thee up. He, he, his first strategy and method of attack is we're going to question uh, the power of God. Because if you can get hung up on whether or not God can, then he don't need to use any other tactics. But he didn't realize who he was dealing with. Because the Bible says in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Now all throughout the Old Testament, God revealed a name and nature. Bible says that little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept, he would reveal Jehovah and then he would reveal nature, healer, Rapha, that he would put together and all throughout the Old Testament. But the Bible said, and the word was made flesh. Everything he was in the Old Testament was now going to be enveloped in a name. Now, I know I've used this years ago, and I'm going to say it again because the Holy Ghost led me to say it. You don't remember what was preached last week, much less eight years ago. But I've come to help somebody this morning with understanding who Jesus is. In the incarnation, God became what he was not, yet he remained what he already was. You say, how's that possible? Well, when I was born, the first role that I filled was son. My name was Tyler, which means favored. No, I'm just joking. Actually, one day I looked up what my name meant. You ready for this? One who lays tile, a tiler. Well, they put a lot of prayer in that one, huh? Some of you are going to go home and Google what your name means. I became a son. When I got married, I became what I was not a husband. But I never stopped being what I already was, a son. And when we had children, I became what I was not, a father. But I never stopped being what I already was, a husband and a son. So you can change roles without changing your identity. Now, when, you, when a child is born, they pull from their mother's side and they pull from their father's side. You know how you just dissect those babies from top to bottom? Got his mama's nose and da-da-da-da-da. Apparently, when my kids are bad, they're my kids, so they get that from me. 
But Jesus was no different. Anything that Jesus did that could be done by humans, he did it on his mother's side. And anything that he did that could not be done by humans, he did it on his father's side. On his mother's side, he was the son of man. But on his father's side, he was the son of God. On his mother's side, he was the seed of David. But on his father's side, he was the root of David. On his mother's side, he was a preacher. But on his father's side, he was a creator. On his mother's side, he was finite. But on his father's side, he was infinite. On his mother's side, he was natural. But on his father's side, he was supernatural. On his mother's side, he was 33 years old. But on his father's side, he was the ancient of days. On his mother's side, he got hungry. But on his father's side, he fed 5,000. On his mother's side, he walked by the sea. But on his father's side, he walked on the sea. On his mother's side, he preached the word. But on his father's side, he was the word. On his mother's side, he died on a cross. But on his father's side, he rose from a grave. No wonder Paul said, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Come on, aren't you glad you know who Jesus is? Yeah. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. It was that Jesus that said, all power is given unto me. That's why Paul said, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. My friend, there is not a shortage of God's power. In fact, the Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. I want you to know today that God is able, whether you believe it or not. When Jesus heard of Lazarus' death, look at what he said. This sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God. I'm going to use that situation as a platform for my power. I'm going to use that circumstance to silence the naysayers. He knew exactly what he was going to do. Don't you think for a moment that your situation caught God off guard. Uh, but you're going to see the glory of God revealed. Uh, I'm looking at people today that have withstood Satan's first strategy. You'll be the first to say that you believe in God's power. You've seen too many miracles to believe otherwise. You're like Martha when Jesus finally showed up. She said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask, God will give it to thee. She didn't have a problem with God's power. And I'm looking at people that you know that God can do it. You've seen it time and time again. And we're not struggling today with God's power. But there's a second strategy that the enemy tries to use 
for the people that don't fall to the first. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. For he had been dead four days. Satan's first strategy is to get you to question the power of God. But if that did not work, Satan's second strategy is to get you to question the timing of God. Because there's people not living for God today that still believe he can. But they lost out with him because he didn't do it when they thought he should have done it. There's a reason they call it the meantime, because time can be a mean thing. I'm preaching to some people today who will readily declare that you know God is able, but yet the enemy is messing with your mind because he has not done it yet. That third temptation, Satan said, all right, Let's go to this high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said, all these things will I give it thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Watch this. The first two temptations were questioning his power. But now Satan went after the timing of God. God already owned all the kingdoms of the world. But he had not made it to that place where the son was glorified. And so he wanted him to rush the process. But if he would have done so, God would have been worshiping the person asking instead of him being the sovereign one. Hear me, friend. In, 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 in this walk with God, God has to lead you. You can't lead God. Bible says now we see through a glass darkly. We're asking God to do what we think is best for us. But everything that we pray is tainted by our own understandings and our limited understandings. And so we want God to do things. And if God does them when we want them, we wouldn't even be here today. God does not operate by time. He operates by timing. Man operates by time. God operates by timing. And because we don't know his ways, we think the absence of an answer indicates the absence of God. Because we mistake silence as absence. But let me tell you, the reason God can't be absent is because God fills all space and time. Now there's a difference between silence and absence and don't let the enemy tell you that just because God isn't moving on your behalf that God has forsaken you that God does not know where you're at. Can I preach to some Job's here this morning that don't understand what God is trying to do but he knoweth the way that I take. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel. A word was given, and the thing was true. But the time appointed was long. See, this is what messes us up. Because we're living in an instant gratification world. And we get a word on Sunday. And we want to cash in on Monday. Listen, there's been things the Lord told me to tell people. 
that I thought was absolutely crazy. Crazy. But I learned a long time ago that God doesn't need my mind. He just needs my mouth. And I've lived long enough now to have people come back to me and say, do you remember this, 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 and this? And nine times out of ten, I don't remember because it's not me coming up with it. And they said, it happened exactly like God said it was going to happen. Hey, friend, when God gives you a word, don't you start a timer and try to put God in a corner and say, God, it has to happen like this or it has to happen like that. No, you walk in it and say, that thing is true. I don't know the timing of it, but the thing is true. I'm talking to parents that have children not living for God and you got a word from God and everything you're seeing is speaking otherwise. But don't you doubt that word from God. That thing is true. The time may be long. Brother Hughes, what you're seeing today, you saw 25 years ago. The word was true, but the time appointed was long. Hey, friend, God's word is like a boomerang. It goes out, but it's going to come back. And when it comes back, it won't return void. Where we get messed up is when what we know contradicts what we see. I went to a place several years ago in Branson. You got to go to Branson if you want to go to heaven. We're usually the youngest there in all the shows. Now, I got a lot more gray hair than the last time I was here. But... We went to this place called Beyond the Lens. Anybody ever been there? A few people. It's pretty neat. And it's got all kinds of uh, virtual type stuff and exhibits and all this stuff. Well, there we're, was hardly anybody there. And we walked to the last room before we were going to go out. And there was a, there was like a, uh, a lighting rack, I don't know what to call it, but a thing up above with a a safety harness hanging from it and a set of virtual reality goggles. Now, I'm telling you, I'm an old soul. I never did this game and stuff. I have a life, okay? So I didn't, I didn't, I never done that. And on the floor, Brother Hughes, was like a one by four or a one by six. It, it was one inch. It was either four or six inch. Just laid on the ground underneath this thing. And I said, well, looky here. What in the world is this? I said, why they got that safety harness? Got to put on a safety harness. And I told the, I told the, the guy, I said, what's this all about? He said, you got to put on these goggles. Just walk down this board. I said, it's easy. Anybody could do that. My girls wanted to do it. And I said, well, let daddy go first. Daddy, show you how it's done. (laughs) The only reason I did it is because nobody was there. And I have a video on my phone that's covered under the blood and tucked away that nobody will ever see. (laughs) And I put that that kid up on, and and I put the goggles on, and he gave me a joystick in his hand. And he said, all you got to do is... 
press the button, because when you, when you turn it on, you're in the elevator. He said, press the button, and it's going to take you up, and you've got to walk to the end of the board, and there'll be a piece of cake out there. And I thought, piece of cake? You got this. I put those goggles on, and I'm telling you, listen, I couldn't even play Nintendo 64 because I get motion sickness when, back in the day when it came out. But it was so real. I was in that elevator. And anywhere I looked, it was, it, I was there. And I hit that button, and you could see in the cracks, like in that door, you could see you're going up. And when it opened up, I was on top of a skyscraper like in New York City. And there was a plank stretched out over the, over the thing, and there was a piece of cake. In it, and I lost it. <laughs> I don't like heights. I don't like none of that stuff. And he said, all you got to do is walk. And I'm standing there. And I put one foot on that board, which I was seeing the plank. And I put one foot on it, and I screamed like a girl, and I jumped back. It messed me up. And I, here I am committed. I mean, I got four girls watching Daddy do this. Daddy's got to do it. And I'm telling you, I was on top of that skyscraper. And with every step, I was barely, barely moving. Now, in reality, I was one inch off the ground. But what I saw contradicted what I knew. And so fear gripped my heart. And I was shaking and I got all the way to that end and I was so proud of myself and I reached out and, and when I touched that cake, it fell off and I started falling and found out why you're wearing a safety harness and I screamed again and listen to me, what's happening to people living for God is what you're seeing is contradicting what you know. Hey friend, I know that God will never leave me nor for Sake me, but my mind is telling me that I'm in it by myself. I've come to tell you, you got to walk by faith and not by sight. You cannot live for God off what you see. Because that word is true. That word is true. The time appointed may be long, but there's a sure word. You got to realize that God has your answer in place before your problem ever showed up. Because we're working this way, but God went to the end, which means he got to your answer before he got to your problem. See, you, re you hit your problem before you hit your answer. But there's a gap between your answer and your problem. Moses, lead them out. I'm leading my people to a promised land. And they come across that Red Sea, and they come to a place called Merah, which means bitter. And a lot of people stop living for God at a place called bitterness. God, why would you bring me here and leave me? 
Why would you bring me to a place that doesn't taste as good as where I once was? Because we think God's responsibility is to keep us happy. No, God wants you saved. And if it means your emotions have to be affected, but your soul will be saved, then he will let you be unhappy. So this is what he told Moses. There's a tree. When's the last time you saw trees grow in 30 seconds? No, but God knew there's going to be a problem right here. And so before they meet their problem, I'm going to plan an answer to their problem. Your answer existed before your problem ever did. You just got to keep walking. You just got to keep believing. You just got to keep trusting God. I'm hurrying to a close. God blessed us to pastor a church called Wallace Ridge Pentecostal Church. Don't take this the wrong way, but it's the greatest church on the face of the earth. I don't expect you to say yes. Brother Jeremy, I expected to say yes. What people don't know is during our evangelistic ministry, all of my married life, I wanted to build my wife a house. We never owned a home. We always rented. We lived in a, in a RV. That stands for ruined vacation. We figured that out. First place ever pulled one was here. And so we built a house in 2017. We loved it. God blessed us. We had, we had long revivals. Didn't have to worry about a place. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you that's why we built as we were comfortable. 2018 turned, and we couldn't find a place to preach. Nobody knew it. I started working 30 to 40 hours a week plus traveling. I was driving a 2005 Chevy Blazer with no air conditioning. I would drive to a church literally in a white T-shirt and my suit pants covered in sweat. I'd stop at a gas station, clean up, go on to church, put my suit on. Nobody knew all that. Nobody needed to know all that. Here I am, the one showing up and telling everybody God's able. And I'm sitting here going, God, what are you doing? 2018, beginning of the year, was at a church. Guy comes up to me from behind, puts his hands on my shoulders. He begins to pray. He said, I see the mantle of a pastor coming on you right now. And that was it. It's like, all right. A couple weeks later, I went back to the same church, and I'm sitting on the left side, on kind of like that altar area. He comes up and sits next to me. He says, uh, the Lord said, get your resume together. All right. So I went to the pastor's office afterwards. I said, hey, that old boy out there, is he the real deal? Is he a Fruit Loop? <laughs> he said, if he told me what he told you, I'd get my resume together. I said, all right, good enough. So I told my wife, and we started praying. And I began to pray, and I said, God, I believe you're trying to shift something in my ministry. I said, but I, I need a confirmation. And I'm not going to tell nobody, because when it happens, I want to know it's the Lord. A couple months later, I was preaching in a church, and a lay minister's wife, an older lady in the church, she stood in that middle aisle. She looked at me, and she pointed. She said, I'm fixing to prophesy to you. 
She said, I see you pastor a large church out in the middle of nowhere. And, I, and after that, she kept talking, but I knew I got my confirmation from the Lord. I knew. The whole time, finances going down, drained our savings to keep our dream home, working, preaching, exhausted. I said, we got to sell this house. There's no way. I'd rather have food than a house. Everybody wants to keep up with the Joneses. The difference is right when you, right when you think you're caught up, they refinance. <laughs> we put our house up for sale according to all the market around us. I'm telling you, we could not get a bite. And we had a beautiful home. We could not get a bite. And so I'm praying one day and I'm, I'm going, God, how long until you transition us? You're giving me these words, but you're not giving me a time. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you've got to go seven full years as an evangelist because seven's the number of completion. But the eighth year will be the year of new beginnings for you and your family. Well, I, don't, I don't even know what that means, God, but oh, okay, I'll take it. And so we, put, we started dropping our house 10,000 at a time. And, and for an evangelist, that's a lot of money. $40,000 we had to drop our house before we could even get a bite. And so all this time, I'm preaching, and I'm going to that pulpit, and nobody has a clue that when I leave and get in that old five blazer, going back in my sweat box, that I'm the one crying and pleading with God, saying, God, do you even know where I'm at? I knew that he could. But I was caught in the wind. When are you going to do it, God? When are you going to relieve the suffering? When are you going to work this situation out? And that's where we get caught is when is it going to happen? We closed on our house the end of July. Two weeks later, I was scheduled to preach in Bogalusa, Louisiana. I'm driving with the pastor, Brother Houston, Drew Galloway was in the, in the vehicle. And, and, and he looked at me, he said, that church in Wallace Ridge is open. Are you interested? Without even thinking, I said, nope. Don't know where that's even at. Because in my mind, I tried to figure out, well, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. It might be a church that I preached at somewhere. And so what we do is we make a plan and submit it to God for, for approval. But you, I learned you got to take what God gives you. What did Abraham say when he was going up the, the, the mountain? He said, uh, Isaac said, hey, we got the wood, we got everything, but where's the sacrifice? He said, the Lord will provide himself a lamb to be sacrificed. But when the knife was raised, what was caught in the thicket? A ram. you got to take what God gives you. So I'll go back to the little evangelist quarters that night. It was the last weekend my family could travel before school started. Little tiny evangelist quarters. And I told my wife, I said, Brother Houston told me about this church. I told her we weren't interested. She looked at me. She said, you didn't even pray about it. I said, you're right. I didn't. And so that night they went to bed. I could take you to the spot in that carpet where I laid before the Lord 
And I pulled up my map on my phone, and I typed in Wallace Ridge. I thought that was the name of a city. Typed in Wallace Ridge. And I can remember going on my map. And I went, God, there's nothing there. (laughs) And the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm trying to put you where I want you, but you won't let me. And I began to weep. And I began to repent before the Lord. And I said, God, if this is where you want me to go, I'll go, God. I don't understand it. I've never let my name run for a church because I never was going to be an opportunist. I wanted to walk in the perfect will of God. And so I called my pastor. I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, and I told him about it. He knew about it. He texted me that evening. He said, uh, or he texted me, he said, email Brother Story. Brother Story was over that, that church and that election process. Now, what I'm fixing to tell you, I didn't find out until after the election. It would have saved me a whole lot of praying if they'd have just told me this from the beginning. When my pastor called him for the story, he was in a board meeting, and he walked out of the board meeting, and he answered the phone like this. He said, what's his name, Randy? My pastor's name is Randy Sten. He said, what do you mean? He said, when I looked at your name, the Lord spoke to me and said, the man you're going to tell me is the man for Wallace Ridge. So he wrote my name in a notebook, and he met the board, and he told him, he said, God already showed me who is going to be the pastor here. And he said, if, if it's all said and done. If you want to see if you did the will of God, you can look in this notebook. So they went through the whole process, and they, they called me. They said, we want you to try out October the 14th. All right, we're ready. A week or two later, they said, no, we want you to try out on the 21st. All right. Then they call again later, said, we want you to try out October the 28th. Now, I'm starting to get frustrated. And my wife's at ticked off level now. And I'm rearranging my schedule, trying to work it all out. Then they call back and they say, no, we want you to try out November the 4th. And we're going to have an election November the 5th, the next day. So here we go. We go. We feel it. They have an election. We get elected on the Monday, the day after. And when I was packing up all of my stuff, I started looking at my calendars that I've kept my whole ministry. The first Sunday I ever preached as an evangelist was the first Sunday of November 2011. The last Sunday I preached as an evangelist was the first Sunday of November 2018, which ended seven full years. And the next day started the eighth year, which was the year of new beginnings. Now hear me when I tell you that God does not operate by time, but God has a perfect timing for everything and you have come too late to tell me that God does not know where you're at and God has not heard your prayers hey friend I want you to stand to your feet right now and believe with me that God knows where I'm at I've come to build your faith today. It's time to stop questioning whether or not God knows where you're at. And you just say, God, I'm going to keep walking by faith. 
the hands lifted all over this building right now. Come on, you need to stop fearing. You need to stop wondering. It's time today for you to leave this place with a renewed sense that God knows where I'm at. I want you to step out of your pew right now. And when you walk to this pew, this altar, I want you to throw your hands to heaven and say, God, I trust you. I don't understand it, but that thing is true. The time appointed is long. The thing is true. The thing is true. Come on, that word that God gave you is true. That word that God gave you is true. Come on, make your way to this altar. Make your way to this altar.